Have you ever been so bored you started thinking about ways of killing other people? I heard a lot of people do this. But have you ever been so bored you started to think of the best way to dispose of a body? John George hated. He thought the best way to dispose of a body was to put him in a fat of acid. Weird, but okay. And if it stayed with just his thoughts, this episode would never have been made. But it did not stay with just his thoughts. He started to experiment by dissolving mice in small canisters. By doing this he found a chemical combination that dissolved the mice body in the best way. But mice were not enough for John Gain. After the mice, he killed 6 people and dissolved and disposed of the same way as he did with the mice. To make matters worse, most of his victims were family members. Essentially, he removed whole families of the face of the earth. Welcome to this episode of Tenebris Fabulas. In this episode, I will tell you the story of John George Hay, aka the Acid Bat Murderer. A serial killer who was active in the 40s, who killed fathers, mothers, uh, sons, and completely dissolved them and removed them from the face of the earth. We are going to start with the question, who was John George Hay? John Hay was born in Stamford, Lincolnshire and grew up in the village Outwood, West Riding of Yorkshire. His parents were engineer John Robert Hay and his wife Emily, uh, who were both members of the Plymouth Brethren, which is a conservative Protestant sect. He was born on the 24th of July in 1909 and uh, died only 40 years later on the August 10th, 1949. In his childhood, he claimed that he suffered from recurring religious nightmares uh, but despite these limitations, he developed great proficiency at the piano, which he learned at home. When he was 17, he left school and was apprenticed for a time to a Mojo engineer. Uh, he already left home on the 6th of July 1934 and he got married uh, with, to his first wife. But he did not want to work, he was a bit, of a, he was a bit lazy if I'm uh, seeing this correctly. He uh, started a business for himself and forged uh, vehicle documents which he was soon brought to justice for and he received 50 months at least assizes in November 1934. In this period his wife divorced him and on his release he started a dry cleaning business with a partner. This uh, honest job was quite a successful venture until his partner was killed in a car crash and the business completely collapsed. Seeing that uh, honest work did pay off he decided to move to London in 1936 where he was able to get a job as a chauffeur to the McSwan family, but discovered another swindle. For this swindle he was also caught, which cost him four years penal servitude, and he was released in the 1940s, but he was back inside within a year. So as you can see he was not a very, uh, very kind, very uh, law-abiding citizen. This time he was doing 21 months for stealing, and uh, yeah, as I said, it's claimed to see he was never gonna live uh, on his life. He did not like the normal jobs, so he decided to uh, yeah, steal, uh, fraud and uh, just get any way of money except for doing uh, yeah, something, uh, something honest. After his imprisonment he became a salesman for a firm in Crawley, which was an occupation he followed until 1944. So that was a job he did for about 4 years. During his time in prison he decided to experiment with various ways of disposing of bodies. He started with mice, which he killed. Uh, and then had small cans which he get from the kitchen or something and made his own combination of acid and other stuff you could find around the prison so he could make his own concoction of acid which would dissolve an entire mice body 
and after yeah, experimenting a lot more, he found a way to completely dissolve it and so he could wash it down the drain without leaving any trace of a, uh, yeah, a living being, essentially. In the summer of 1944, he had to bump into William Donald McSwan. Uh, he first met him in 1936, uh, so they were all the acquaintances of each other. On September 9, 1944, the two men went for a drink at the Goat in Kingston High Street. After a couple of drinks, they went to 79th Clauser Road, where he had a workshop. This was McKay's personal workshop. Uh, in his workshop, he grabbed a hammer and sneaked behind McSwan, where he smashed his skull in and put his body in a water butt that he filled with acid. This was his first victim, and after experimenting in prison with the mice, he already knew what kind of concoction he needed to make to, yeah, well, get rid of a body. So he recreated it in, in his own workshop, killed his friend, and uh, yeah, put him in a uh, in a vat of acid, and started to decompose the body. After killing William McSwan, he went around to the parents of William, and uh, yeah, his parents also already knew him. They were uh, yeah also friendly with each other. So uh, yeah, well, they knew him, and uh, they told him the son had gone into hiding to avoid the call-up. You know, the, the call-up was for the, the war that's going on in 1944, of course. I think everybody knows which war I'm talking about. Um, so there were, it was not weird that, they, uh, that he was gone, that he was missing for a while, because he was, yeah, they thought he was hiding. Well, essentially, he was laying in a fed of acid. Keeping up this charade of telling the parents that uh, their son has gone into hiding for the call-up, um, he sent a couple of letters to the to uh, to the parents from the son, so just uh, to keep the, the charade going, to tell them, uh, yeah, he was still uh, he's still hiding and uh, still alive essentially, <laughs> uh, until July 1945, because uh, in the July he murdered uh, the McSwans and disposed of the bodies in the same way as he did with their son. You know, it's just a sick way of thinking about it. If I if I step on someone his foot. I apologize about 20 to 40 times because I uh, <laughs> I could have hurt them and this guy just kills someone, goes to their parents, uh, becomes friends with them and uh, keeps up a whole charade for, uh, let me see, around a year and then decide, you know what, I had my fun, I, I think we, we had a great time, I'm gonna kill you guys now, just like I killed your son. It's, it's just insane. Not only did he uh, uh, you know, kill them, kill their son, he also acted like William McSwan and he managed to obtain legal control of all the processions from uh, the, yeah, well, the entire McSwan family. Uh, and he sold everything, making over 4,000 yeah, pounds <laughs> in those days back in England. Uh, in 1945, it was a great deal of money, 4,000 pounds. I mean, 4,000 pounds in 1945 would have been around uh, 50 to 60,000 uh, bucks in uh, yeah, the modern times. So it's, 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 uh, yeah, it was the motive of killing them. Two years later, in 1947, he met a couple named Henderson during a property deal. In February uh, 1948, just a little bit later after meeting them, he took them whatever time from the Metropole Hotel, uh, where they lived, uh, to his new workshop in Crawley. Here in his workshop, he shot them and popped them in the familiar drum full of acid. He paid the hotel bill and removed all their valuables. So, you know, just to give them a, a, a plausible alibi to the families. If they ever would have called the hotel, they said, yeah, they're paid. Uh, and uh, I have no idea where they're gone. By February 1949, he had been living in the Onslow Court Hotel, this is in South Kensington, for four years. 
One of the residents, Miss Olive Henrietta Olivia Rabartos Danor Deacon, dear God, who gives her child that many names, uh, who was uh, 69 years old, uh, she was a widow and had lived in the hotel for over six years. The two often exchange uh, pleasantries, you know, being neighbors and all. Uh, sometimes ate with each other, uh, talked in the hallway, uh, things like that. She knew he was an engineer and a bit of an inventor, at least that's what he told her. At lunch on 14th of February, a happy Valentine's Day of course, Miss Duran Deacon showed Hay some false fingernails that she had designed and asked Hay if he could improve the idea to a product that would be marketable. He told her that he would think about it. Four days later, on February 18th, they both drove to Hay's workshop in Crawley and here he shot her in the back of the head and removed her jewelry, fur coat and everything she had on her and put her naked body in the, uh, the, yeah, the top full of acid and filled it with a tank and he waited to, uh, well, he just left her there so she could wait until she was uh, completely dissolved just like the other bodies he had. After killing her, he just uh, went to the hotel, had a lovely three-course meal, just uh, yeah, not worrying about anything he had done, not feeling any guilt seeing, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, after killing a lot of people. The next day, on Saturday, February 19th, guests at the hotel were getting a bit anxious about the absence of Miss Duran Deacon, seeing she already lived here for six years, a lot of people would have known her. They noticed she was missing by breakfast, so they asked Hey if he knew about her whereabouts. He told the other guests of the hotel that he had arranged a meeting with her, but she had failed to turn up for their appointment, just trying to give another plausible alibi so they wouldn't suspect him of killing her. By Sunday, so the next day, it was obvious something was wrong, seeing that she was missing for two days, and he approached Miss Lane, who had shown concern the day before, and asked if anything has been heard from the missing woman. Miss Lane told him that she had no news and that she intended going to the police that afternoon. Hey, as the lovely gentleman that he is, offered to accompany her and drove her to the Chelsea police station. The policewoman, Sergeant Lamborn, was suspicious of Hay from the start. I think he gave her a weird vibe or just the fact that he drove with, the, with Miss Lane to the police station. Something gave a little bit, little bit of a weird vibe to the policewoman, so she had an, a little eye on him. Another day later, on the Monday, Scotland Yard's record office was contacted and Hayes' criminal record came to light. The criminal record where he was stealing and embezzling money and, you know, committing fraud and stuff, just to prove that he was in prison for, uh, for uh, quite a while of his life. That morning, he emptied the sludge from the tank onto the ground outside the workshop. So essentially, he just dumped in, in, yeah, three bodies into the street after dissolving for a while. Which is just, uh, well, very disrespectful way of go, yeah, doing something like that. Uh, after disposing of the body, you know, after disposing of the sludge, just throwing it out uh, like the trash that he had, like some trash he had, he went to Horsham and had Mesh Durant's Deacon's jewelry valued. After returning to the hotel, the police were already waiting for him. He then gave a statement reiterating his story about the missed appointment, so his alibi from two days before. He uh, yeah re re replayed it to the police, but I think the police are seeing the police are suspicious of him. This would be a very bad, uh, very bad alibi. Just saying uh, I had an appointment, but she didn't make it, and suddenly she's missing. So I think he, he slipped up here, and this is the point where people saw him as the yeah the kind of monster he really was. Uh, Thursday, a couple of days later, the police went back to the Onslow Court Hotel for another statement from Hay, which was largely the same as his first. But so he gave so suddenly he gave a little more, more details, you know, just a little bit uh, things he thought of, 
suddenly came up with some extra things. On February 26th, the police visited the workshop at Crawley with the workshop of hay. And they forced the door open just to find a rubber apron, a gas mask and empty carboys. And if you just google uh, the rubber apron and gas mask of John Hay, it's just an eerie photo you will find. It's just, it's just a weird sight of seeing his own homemade weird yeah, outfit just to be sure he didn't get any acid on himself. Uh, it's, it's a scary sight. It's something you will see in a, in a, in a horror movie, I think. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. In his workshop, they also found the recently fired uh, 38 Enfield revolver and a dry cleaning receipt for a black Persian lamp coat. The coat he stole off uh, his latest victim and uh, sold off to a, uh, a pawn shop. The police waited on Hay until he returned to the hotel and they took him to the police station to assist him with their inquiries. Later that night, he, after I guess some interrogation and uh, some questioning and bringing up the proof they had about him, uh, he confessed to Webb saying, I've destroyed her with acid. You'll find the sludge that remains at Leopold Road. Every trace is gone. How can you prove murder if there is no body? He went on to add the McSwans and the Hendersons to his confession, claiming that he killed them all just so he could drink their blood. Just another guy who likes drinking blood of course because that's the kind of topics I find on the internet. His whole statement about uh, how can you prove murder if there's no body is something he picked up in a book. Uh, he, thought that the, 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 he thought that corpus delicti, so it's just a, uh, a, a, yeah, a lawful way of saying that there is no body, uh, means that there is no possible way of convicting someone if there is no physical body to uh, convict him of. This is, of course, it is not true. If there is enough evidence, someone can be convicted. But in his mind, he thought that if there is no body, there can be a crime. So if I dissolve the acid, I will never be prosecuted and will never go back to jail. A couple of days later, home of his pathologist, Dr. Keith Simpson, examined the Crawley workshop. Uh, he found bloodstains on the wall and a headpin at the bottom of a 45 gallon drum, one of the drums where he put his body in. After Dr. Simon had noticed a gallstone in the sludge in the yard, all the residue was collected and taken to the police laboratory. So his acid bath could dissolve an entire body including skin, teeth, bones, everything, but one gallstone just uh, stayed behind. So can you imagine what, what, what people have to go through when they have to pee out one of those gallstones? Oh, that's already hurting my insides. I can take murder, I can make take mysteries, but if I have to think about peeing out a gallstone, I get shivers down my spine. He analyzed the sludge uh, and he made a list of all the things which uh, were included in the sludge, which were a bunch of animal fat, part of a foot, two more gallstones and a full set of dangers. These dangers were from Ms. Durant Deacon, uh, her dentist uh, confirmed uh, that it were her teeth. Uh, this was also the last nail to the coffin of Hayes' fate, because this was the thing that would convict him later in, uh, in, uh, yeah, well, in the process. He was charged with the murder of Miss Durant Deacon and removed to Lewis prison. His trial began at Lewis Aziz's on July 18, 1949 and finished the following afternoon. The jury only took 17 minutes to find him guilty and he was immediately hanged at Pierpoint at Wentworth on August 10, 1949. So after killing all those people, he was only found guilty of killing one, uh, Miss Durner Deacon, only because they could find the teeth. So he, in a way he was right with the saying of uh, no body, no crime. 
but apparently his concoction was good enough to completely dissolve, uh, you know, well, their, their, their teeth, their, uh, their dentures, not the teeth itself, but the dentures. So that was, uh, yeah, what, that was his, uh, his mistake. So in all, this guy killed six people, uh, varying with beating with a blunt instrument, shooting to the head. But all his bodies were uh, put into a drum, always drum vets, I should say, and completely dissolved. Last but not least, he also claimed that he drank a cup of his victim's blood. But it's yeah, well, it was one of his stories. It was never proven whether it was real what he did or just a uh, fantastic story to get more uh, more attention. So this was a story of the the sick acid bath murderer, aka uh, yeah, John George Hay. Uh, it, it, well, these murders were a long time ago, so it wouldn't worry uh, <laughs> happening to you right now. But still, uh, there are crazy people out there. Uh, you know, he was a bit charismatic, which uh, which 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 made it easier for him to lure them to his workplace, where he uh, had the privacy and the time to kill people and uh, dissolve their body. So uh, be aware. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked it, let me know. If you didn't like it, also let me know. I can also use some criticism. Um, and you know, if you think someone uh, you know would enjoy this podcast as well, just send them a link. Uh, mouth to mouth, uh, uh, yeah, is, is the best way of spreading these things. Um, and uh, well, let me know how I'm doing. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, stay curious, stay safe, and see you next time.